Welcome to a special Faith Nation focusing on the humanitarian crisis on America's border and the ripple effect across the country. From our studio in Washington, I'm John Jessup. Well, the crisis at the southern border has far-reaching repercussions from black market cannabis tainted with toxins to drug cartels shipping migrants to northern California and forced to work on illegal marijuana farms. These farms are also threatening California's water supply, and there are other concerns or dangers the cartels pose as well. CBN's Chuck Holton reports. The impact of migrants pouring across the U.S. southern border is reaching here in Humboldt County, California, helping fuel a rise in illicit cannabis operations staffed by undocumented workers. Instead of escaping poverty and oppression, many migrants often find a rude awakening here in America. So modern-day slavery is happening here. Labor trafficking is, is uh, a major deal here when it comes to marijuana. Uh, like I said, it's, it's something to where, you know, you have, this is still very much organized crime. And we have organized crime and syndicates from all over the world that are here in California that are invested in growing marijuana illegally and, and funneling through the markets, again, throughout America and throughout the world. And so they're bringing in their own labor and they're forcing them here to work against their will. And Sometimes they're, they're sold into sex slavery. Sometimes they're just used for labor. And we even had uh, a case here about 10 years ago where we had two people from Guatemala that were shot. It's not just that these illegal marijuana grows here in California are a driver of 70% of all of the illegal marijuana consumed in the United States. It's also not just a driver of a whole lot of illegal migration to work those grows. But one of the biggest problems caused by these illegal grows is right here, what you see behind me. The very precious resource of clean, clear, drinkable water here in California as they come off a 100-year drought. These plants take a lot of water, and they take a lot of this drinking water off the table for the consumers here in the Golden State. This stuff is obviously, we have a regulated market now in California under Prop 64, many states have regulated cannabis, but this is the illegal stuff that will never be allowed. It's on public and private land, it's not grown with permits, it's not organic, it has deadly pesticides on it, some of them, brother, that are so deadly they were banned by the EPA in America 20 years ago. In addition to the health threat posed by pesticides, the men running these secret farms are often armed and aggressive. They're armed. Mm -hmm. They don't, you know, want to give up in many times. There's a lot of poisons that we run across and exposure could be deadly. And actually on the private lands, it's even more dangerous because it's so much concentrated. The origin of these hidden operations traces back to a familiar evil south of the border. And we got to remember that isn't only a cannabis problem that these cartels are part of. Uh, these cartels are also the same groups. If they're growing black market cannabis that's tainted with these toxics, they're also trafficking, you know, dirty fentanyl pills that are killing hundreds of thousands of Americans. Dealing with these issues daily, Sheriff Hansel believes he's in the right place. We see in Humboldt County and in California good versus evil. We see the evil of child abuse, of drugs, of sex trafficking. We see people's worst days every single day. And we have a very difficult time sometimes dealing with that and coping with that. And I, I believe if you didn't have a Christ-centered life, you can't rationalize that. God has put me here, and this is my mission, the Sheriff's Office, the people of Humboldt County. And when God tells me that it's time to go, I'll go. From Northern California, I'm Chuck Holton for CBN News. Well, many of the migrants fleeing poverty and violence to illegally cross into the United States are part of an unbroken chain stretching all the way back to South America. 
The impact of thousands of people making the trek north is taking a huge toll on communities or the communities through which they pass. Once again, here's Chuck Holton, this time from the Darien Gap. What was once one of the most remote and pristine jungles on planet Earth is now an environmental disaster. Trash litters the banks of the river locals once depended on for their water. Now the bitter irony is that in a place which gets a dozen feet of rain each year, these indigenous tribes have to import bottled water. So it's about 8 o'clock in the morning on the Rio Turquesa going into the Darien Gap, and we're starting to pass dozens and dozens of these boats coming out completely full of migrants. You see all these migrants here behind me. They're from all over the world, and they're all headed out to the river end where the road is. The problem is there are not enough boats to get them out of here and get them down to the road where they can continue their journey to the United States. Three hours upriver, we come to the last village before reaching the Colombian border. The scene is apocalyptic. Thousands of migrants arrive each day, more than six times the village's original population. There's nowhere to sleep and no adequate facilities for the crush of humanity dragging in after six days in the jungle. People line up to register for the boat ride out, standing for hours under the merciless sun. Although many suffer from heat stroke, the tiny clinic has almost nothing to offer. Yeah, we're here five minutes and there's people passing out left and right. The sun came out, it's super hot. They don't have many resources here to help. This is really what they need. They need resources. These guys, they, they need volunteers. They need supplies. With thousands of people coming in here every day, there's just no way that they can take care of all the people that are coming in with needs because by this time, they've already been walking through the jungle for five or six days. And so they get here, they're all half dead. Some of them are mostly dead. And like this one right here, just dehydrated, passed out in the sun, and they really need time to recover before they continue their journey. And many are dying in the jungle. People who was passing the river, they could just see the dead bodies in front of them. And me and my friends, we just go and we just covered them with some plastics because we didn't want some wild animals to eat them or something. And also there were some children and also some families, they were passing from that path. We didn't want them to see the dead bodies. Hmm. And it was extremely, extremely dangerous way. Now, the tribe has reached a breaking point. They've decided to build a separate camp for the migrants across the river, one that will hold up to 15,000 people. We've decided that it has to be a shelter away from the community, which should give migrants their own place for food and shelter, as this has affected every aspect of our lives, including social, economic, cultural, and even education. Right now, they are defecating in the same streets where they are sleeping. Nobody wants that. We want everything to be well organized and in order, so that the migrants feel better when they come to the community. This year, the number of people traversing the gap en route to the United States has exceeded 350,000, which is already 100,000 more than 2022. And despite the toll in human misery, the numbers just keep rising. From Panama, I'm Chuck Holton for CBN News. Thank you, Chuck, for that report. Borders, border crossings raising concern, but not where you might expect. The immigration issue you haven't heard much about when Faith Nation returns.
Welcome back. The immigration crisis on our southern border has made headlines for years, but far less reported is the fact that authorities along our northern border with Canada are dealing with a surge of their own. CBN's Mark Martin takes us to North Dakota to bring us this first-hand look. Vast open farmland, no fence or wall here, only a marker with the date October 20th, 1818. The day Great Britain and the United States established the boundary between the U.S. and Canadian territories. At more than 5,500 miles, this is the longest non-militarized open border in the world. This particular section is where a part of North Dakota meets Canada. If people wanted to, they could cross here freely. If people wanted to, they could come across at any time. Stuart Symington is mayor of the border city, Nitchi. Do you feel like the northern border is kind of neglected more? There's all this attention on the border in the south. Oh, it's definitely overlooked. Everything's being covered down there, so this is an opening. An opening, Symington says, for migrants wanting to cross the ditch into the U.S. It's a cheap flight from Mexico to to Winnipeg or to Regina, and, uh, and then just hopping the skip across the border. And if you have a runner on either side, you've got it made. And then they're dispersed and nobody ever sees them again. A resident of nearby Pembina took us down an abandoned road where we found another open area. I'm here at the U.S.-Canada border. You can see the post reads United States and then over on this side, international boundary. This is just a short distance from the official border crossing, yet there's no security to prevent people from entering the country illegally. According to reports, there has been a sharp increase in the number of migrants illegally crossing into the U.S. Our guide, who wanted to remain anonymous, says it's true. I've just seen um, people in taxis coming over, leaving, people being dropped off, walking. They're not town people, so we know what they're doing. Lance Lohr lives across the river in Minnesota. I hunt just in Minnesota here, and I see suitcases and cell phones and stuff all over dropped. They just don't care. Yeah, I think they should be a little heavier uh, patrol. U.S. Customs and Border Protection back up these reports of a dramatic increase. So far from last October through May of this year, stats show more than 115,000 encounters. Even with four months left in the fiscal year, that number already surpasses the yearly amount in each of the previous three years. Here in the Grand Forks sector, covering just North Dakota and Minnesota, the number of encounters is already more than double last fiscal year. North Dakota State Senator Yana Murdahl blames the federal government for the increase, accusing the Biden administration of giving up American sovereignty by giving up the border to illegal crossings. We are advertising to the world that we're open without any control, without any due process, without any legal uh, way of doing it. It doesn't matter. You get awarded if you can jump, swim or run, right, to get into the country, you get awarded by the same rights as a citizen has. Probably people think they got a lot better chance of sneaking across this northern border than they do the southern border. Symington believes a tighter southern border will lead to more crossing attempts up here. And the more they hear that our country's open, um, the more the, that's going to get people to come. And the sad part is you'll find in the northern part of the border, especially in the wintertime, people die. Winter here, if it's 30 below or worse and you get 50, 60 below wind chill, it is deadly. Even a mile walk can be deadly. So about a year and a half ago, we had a family from India that was muled through, and they were told that north of the border, about two miles, it was just two miles, just go cross. 
and a few days later they were found frozen in the snowbanks up there. And there is potential danger for these border residents as well. I think some of the, the biggest issues are uh, people coming into the United States that we truly don't want here. You know, these are people of an organized crime from other countries, people who perhaps have uh, nefarious reasons for coming. Uh, maybe they're a spy of a foreign nation. There are drugs coming in. Families are worried about, you know, what's being brought into the school. I know our law enforcement has seen a great increase in in fentanyl trafficking and, and even deaths in Walsh County. CBN News reached out to U.S. Customs and Border Protection about a solution to this issue. They declined our interview request and gave us this statement. A CBP spokesperson said, CBP deploys a mixture of personnel, technology, infrastructure, and partnerships appropriate to protect our country's northern border from irregular migration, narcotics, and other illegal activity unique to this operating environment. Migrants should not listen to the lies of smugglers and make the dangerous journey only to be sent back. I know they use drones and other technology and they do an excellent job, but it's too vast of a, a area to control completely. Federal legislation to establish a center to coordinate northern border security is in the works. But North Dakota State Representative David Monson says that's not enough. Our country is like a sieve. Our borders are wide open, except when you try to come across legally. Munson told us U.S. leaders in this day and age need to step it up at all our borders when it comes to tightening security. Mark Martin, CBN News on the border of North Dakota and Canada. A remote village gets clean water for the very first time. See how viewers like you help make it happen right after this. Welcome back. Poverty and lack of access to resources are major reasons migrants are fleeing their own countries. In a remote village in Mexico, people were getting sick from the dirty water they were actually drinking. That's when CBN's Operation Blessing, with the help of viewers like you, who stepped in to help the issue at the source. Grandma Asuncion and her husband are raising their granddaughter, Daniela, in a remote community in Mexico. Their greatest challenge has been finding clean water. The water situation was harsh. We got stomach sickness. We saw cattle in the water using it as a bathroom. The water was murky, and sometimes it smelled like urine, and we had to drink that. Then Grandma had to walk long distances to get the little bit of water she could carry. Sometimes it was multiple trips per day. The path to get water was narrow, we went down hills and then climbed up hills. It was a hard climb that took lots of time. As I got older, it grew more difficult because the load feels heavier. The water gave me pains in my belly. My tummy hurts every day. I often wondered if the water would make Daniela so sick she might die. Then Operation Blessing came to their community and built a rainwater harvesting system that collects and stores up to 1,300 gallons of water. We then added purification and pipes to bring fresh water to Asuncion's home. Having water in our house means I no longer have to carry it. I am just so happy. Now I can take a bath because we have enough water. I can drink the water too. Thank you. Gracias. 
For more on how you can help the much-needed work of Operation Blessing around the world, go to www.ob.org. Coming up, from the fields of California to the final frontier, witness the incredible journey of a migrant farmer who became an astronaut, the real-life hero behind the brand-new movie, A Million Miles Away. Finally tonight, we wanted to end this special on a note of hope, an out-of-this-world true story of a, an American dream come true. A migrant farm worker whose hard labor fueled big dreams. Young Jose Hernandez wanted to be an astronaut, and he refused to give up, even as NASA turned him down nearly a dozen times. His story, now a movie. Somehow, old faded photographs paint a clear picture of Jose Hernandez's journey. From a child working in the fields of California in the 1960s and 70s to a field of dreams that launch him into space in 2009. Booster ignition and liftoff of Discovery, celebrating its 25th birthday by racking up science and supplies. Take me back to where it all began in terms of the idea that you, a kid on a farm, a migrant farm worker, could go to outer space. The stars always attracted me. I was a, when I was a kid, you know, Star Trek, the first run series was coming on, Captain Kirk. And then when we would go out in the fields, we would go away from the pollution of light of the city. And it was still dark. And man, you can see constellations uh, up above it. What are stars for? What are stars for? Well, that is one tough question, sir. You know what? I think you're going to be one of those people who can actually come up with an answer to that kind of question. Hernandez's A Million Miles story is now a feature film. When I was a 10-year-old, I, I see on a black and white TV the very last Apollo mission, Apollo 17, Gene Cernan walking on the moon. And man, that's when it hit me. That's it. That's what I want to be. I want to be like that guy. I want to go to space. And I told my dad, and my dad did something incredible. I mean, he only has a third grade education, but he had the wisdom to empower me to believe it because he told me, I think you can do it. As a 10-year-old, I never looked back as I grew up. I just add perseverance because... Uh, <laughs> You guys know the story. I got rejected by NASA not once, not twice, but 11 times. And then this, this is going to be your 11th attempt. And I appreciate your persistence, and I thank you for coming all the way down here, but I really wish you'd have saved sir, yourself the sir, airfare. Sir, sir, if I may, if I may, this is my strongest application yet, and this would be my, my 12th attempt, not my 11th. So you get rejected 11 times. Yes, what makes you get up the 12th time? <laughs> well, you know, you really want it. But the thing I always tell people is when you select something that you're going after, you know, make sure you enjoy the journey because that's about 80, 90% of your effort. And so I was enjoying the journey. What's changed? What's different this time? I've, over the course of the last 10 years, uh, Every academic, professional, and personal decision I've made, I've made with the space program in mind. Sure. I have my master's in electrical engineering. I, uh, I'm a pilot now with over 800 hours under my belt. I have my scuba diving certificate. 
I just ran the San Francisco Marathon. I, wow. And I speak Russian, sir. So clearly you are not afraid uh, of hard work. What role does faith play in moving you from the farm as a little boy to what you've accomplished oh, today? A lot, a lot. You know, we, we grew up uh, going to church. A lot of people always argue with me and say, wait, wait, isn't that kind of like a contradiction in life? You know, science and religion. And I said, no, quite the contrary. I said, you know, science explains you how things work. So religion, I said, explains why things happen, not how things happen, why they happen. And so it fills you spiritually as to why things happen. And so I think they go hand in hand. I've applied 12 times, and yes, sir, I've, I've been on the verge of giving up after each and every rejection, but you know what, sir, here I am. So you could turn me down again, but rest assured, I'll be standing here again in a year. How does it feel to watch your story now play on screen for other people to see? It's kind of like, it's surreal. It's kind of <laughs> like an open book. It's almost like I opened my door to my house to the public and they're all in here now watching me, you know? And uh, it's good in the sense that I want people to see my story, to understand where I came from, such that they get empowered to say, hey, if he had it that bad, and he was able to accomplish this, then why can't I accomplish my own goals? You've got children now of your own. Do you see yourself in them? A lot. <laughs> I got five kids. Yes. Uh, my oldest, uh, four weeks ago, graduated from Purdue University in aerospace engineering, PhD. Nice. I told him, why Purdue? He said, did you know that Purdue graduates the most astronauts. So that's how he told me he wants to be an astronaut. Nice. And as Jose supports his son's space dreams, he's also back on the farm, working alongside his dad in the vineyard their family owns. Ephraim Graham, CBN News, Washington. Thanks for watching this special edition of Faith Nation. Have a great night.